Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I'm Bill Barnwell. Today, my friend and colleague Bill Connolly joins me to break down the four top quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Who stands out? Who has the highest ceiling, the lowest floor? And who will be the best of the bunch five years from now? College football expert Bill Connolly joins us to talk about that. But first, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to tell you about the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Yes, Mina Kimes. I don't know if you've heard of her. Very talented, very smart ESPN football analyst and her dog, Lenny. This podcast gets you ready for the NFL draft as Mina is joined by her friends each episode to talk about the latest NFL storylines. And of course, Lenny chips in with his scouting and research finds as well. That's the Mina Kimes show featuring her dog, Lenny. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Bill Connolly breaking down the top quarterbacks in this year's draft class. All right, joining me now here on the Bill Barnwell Show, someone I'm very excited to have on, as always, someone who is, in my opinion, and and others may disagree, but I don't think this is unfair to say, the hardest working person in in sports media, I feel like, Uh, leading ESPN.com today with, I would say, if you could draw up a, a Bill Connolly article in a lab, this would be it, like a combination college football, soccer um monstrosity of an article joining us <laughs> the wonderful college football soccer anything that suits his fancy writer for us at espn is bill Connolly. bill what's up uh not too much i did i did laugh out loud when i saw the the artwork for the college football super league thing that went up because it was it really was like destiny like i was destined to write a piece with this exact artwork to it um with money and soccer players and football players and all this other stuff it was uh it was a culmination of 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 the last couple of years we'll say it feels very peak bill Connolly to me <laughs> all downhill from here all that i didn't mean it that i just mean like <laughs> like like the ultimate like like that it is just the essence of yes. you is this article um today we are not talking about soccer we're not going to talk about lester's uh, disastrous run of form when it comes to corners and the final few minutes of matches as much as I would like to. We're going to talk about college football and talk about the four preeminent quarterback prospects in the upcoming NFL draft, a, a draft where the perception, at least a couple months ago, was that this was not a good class for quarterbacks, where there was not going to be a really a, a quarterback-heavy first round. And then as we get closer and closer to the draft, we're seeing things like, oh, maybe maybe five quarterbacks will go in the first round. So a, a wide range of possibilities, which is why I wanted to have you on, Bill, because you are uh, someone who, of course, covers college football for us at an extremely high level at ESPN. You're a little removed from this process, I feel like. So you're not going to get hopefully blown away by the hype or blown away by you know, the, the the needs of these particular NFL teams, I wanted to ask you about the prospects themselves. And so we're going to talk about four guys. We're talking about Malik Willis. We're going to talk about Kenny Pickett. We're going to talk about Matt Corral. And we're going to talk about Desmond Ritter. Those are the four guys we're going to discuss. There, you know, might be a fifth guy sneaking into the first round. Um, you know, maybe uh, Sam Howell, maybe Carson Strong. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I guess that's theoretically possible. We're going to focus on those four guys. So, Bill, Let's start. Let me ask you this. Okay. Here, here's how I will frame this discussion and we'll go from there. In terms of these four quarterback prospects, on the whole, which of those two 
opinions heading into the draft would you say feels more accurate? One being that this isn't a draft where there are a lot of really good quarterback prospects and, and teams should not be excited about taking a quarterback in this year's draft. Or the opposite, where teams might take up to five quarterbacks in the first round, which feels truer to you in terms of their actual talent level and level of play. I mean, <laughs> there's obvious potential in with some of these guys, obviously. Um, but I do feel like if if we made all positions equal and just listed out the 32 best players, like compared to the field at their position and mashed them all together. I mean, number one, you'd have like a safety and a center at the top of the list, you know, with Hamilton and, and the Iowa dude. So maybe like that, that's clearly, this is, that's not the best way to go about drafting is just by listing everybody's sure. best at their position. But uh, no, actually the number one guy would be Matt Arise of the punter from San Diego state come to think yes. of it. So that's, um, so, so yes, yeah, so you, you don't want to necessarily follow this. I don't know if we, it, it would, it might take 40 spots before we actually get to one of these quarterbacks. Wow. If we just, like I, and I, I, you know, part of that is because, you know, we had a lot of really good quarterbacks come out recently. We're going to have a lot in the future. Obviously this is kind of a, a little spot in the middle, but this really has just been the ultimate exercise in, Everybody knows you need a quarterback um, and and you go from in January saying, well, I mean, these guys have potential to, I must have one of these guys because we <laughs> must have a, we must have a franchise quarterback. And you know, if we, you know, if we pick the second quarterback on the board, he must be a franchise quarterback. He's the second, you know, so that's, I feel like the stock on all of these guys really, but especially Willis and Pickett, um, you know, two years ago, neither of these guys are, 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 you know, top 200 picks, much less like top 15 picks. And, and so it has changed a lot. And I think it's gone kind of beyond what they've actually shown on the field to, to most degrees. Okay. So with that idea, <clears throat> I want to start with Pickett because I feel like so much of the discussion around Kenny Pickett, at least on the NFL side, has just been, Ooh, look, small hands, which yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can talk about that and we should talk about that, but Let's say Kenny Pickett had normal hands, had 50th percentile <laughs> hands. Just just throw the hands discussion out okay. for a minute. What would we be talking about with him as a prospect? Well, what what else is there to discuss besides the hands for Kenny Pickett? Uh it well, number 1, it took him 3 years, 4 years really. Right. To do anything. Um so that's that's kind of the number one thing that stands out. He was awesome last year, and I don't want to kind of distract from that. You know, almost seventy percent completion rate, over forty touchdowns, you know, passer rating on the college scale of one sixty five. That's, um, I mean, that's not like you know Baker Mayfield to a level good in college, but it's good. Um, mm -hmm. The three previous years, he his passer rating was one twenty, one twenty two, and one thirty. Um, you know, he, he was, could be counted on for about 13 touchdowns and about eight interceptions a year, about 58 mm -hmm. to 60% completion rate. He was a very, very average quarterback. And it was funny because like his very first game as a pro, I think back in 2017, um, they beat Miami, Miami's up to like number two. Nobody really thought they were number two, but they had, they had lost. Um, and he, and Pitt goes in, he, he starts, they, they win. Um, he looked pretty good doing it. Not amazing, but pretty good. And we thought, okay, mm -hmm. big time quarterback right here. He's going to, he's going to be something. And then he spent the next three years proving a lot of that wrong. He was, he was perfectly adequate, but not first round prospect. Um, mm -hmm. so that, Knowing what we know 
about how some of the projections work, some of the old football outsider stuff and whatnot, like doing it once isn't that great. Like the one-year wonder idea, the the best evidence we can get of if you're going to be awesome is that you're awesome for a long period of time in college. And he, he just wasn't till the end and maybe something clicked. Maybe it's all great now, but that it's not, that's not usually how this works. And so that would be my main concern is it took him that long to be good. And now how long is it going to take him to, to, to you know, take the step, the same step in the pros? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair point. But then and maybe this is just me playing devil's advocate. You look at guys who had one year of success at a high level and mm-hmm. then who became the first pick in the draft in recent years with Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow. Now, like you said, I don't think Kenny Pickett's performance last year, at least on a, on a quantitative basis, was up to those guys. I mean, Burrow might have had right. one of the best seasons in the history of college right. football. <laughs> um, but then again, he was also not playing with uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in that offense. So. <laughs> You know, I, I I guess when it comes to that leap, I mean, is there any single element of, of Pickett's play that you think led to that dramatic improvement? Like, did he suddenly get way more accurate? Was he suddenly hitting more deep shots? Was he, did it look like the game was slowing down for him? Like, what do you think drove that dramatic improvement? He was extremely accurate. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, 67% completion rate per uh, Sports Info Solutions, like 80% of his passes were quote unquote catchable, which is very, very high. Yes. So, uh, I mean, granted, I mean, he had Jordan Addison, the Belitnikov winner. You know, that was a relationship mm-hmm. where, you know, either he made Addison awesome or Addison made him awesome or probably a combination thereof. Mm-hmm. But they were just very, very consistent. He didn't have that many horrible games um you know they obviously they won the acc in part because clemson had decided to forget how to play offense but they still won the (laughs) acc uh they still played very good he beat both man and zone coverage it really didn't matter what you threw at him he did really well against both so i mean it it really was last year was was very good it wasn't joe burrow good by any stretch of the imagination but it was good and so that's an obvious feather in his cap and um, you know, Burrow had kind of hinted the last four or five games of the season before he had started playing at that level. Things had kind of started to slow down for him. Um, Pickett waited longer than that, but maybe, yeah, may- maybe that leap is permanent. And now this is just who he is. But I do think uh, it, it was, I just saw too much of the previous Pickett to, to really, he got a lot more snaps than Burrow and it took him a lot longer to make mm-hmm. a leap that wasn't as big, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he had uh, almost 1,200 pass attempts before his final season at Pitt, right. where he had that breakout year. And like you said, um, the accuracy, each strength, fifth in the nation, according to ESPN Stats and Info, in adjusted completion percentage. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me, and I want to know if you what, what the cause might be for this from your perspective, he really held on to the ball quite a bit. Held on to yep. the ball for an average of 3.12 seconds before throwing the fourth highest mark amongst quarterbacks in the nation in 2021 do you think that's processing do you think that's just him creating plays what do you think led to him holding onto the ball so frequently for such a long period of time yeah it was interesting because he did hold onto the ball forever but his sack rate still was pretty decent um mm-hmm. he seemed he, he seemed to time his scrambles really well how he left the pocket um he went when he decided to actually run with the ball after uh, on a scramble he averaged over eight yards per carry on scrambles um mm-hmm. So it, it, it really might've been a case of, I mean, that's one of the things you would look for if the game is quote unquote, slowing down, right. He just knows when to leave. He understands uh, mm-hmm. what's around him. He knows when to, to buy time. That was all very good. The fact that, you know, with, with Justin Fields, his sack rates were higher. That's kind of the ultimate 
long processing quarterback in recent college football. Um, and I'm, I'm almost positive his, his sack yardage was higher or his sack frequency was higher than 5%, which is what Pickett's was. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't necessarily look at, at that slow processing as a, as a bad thing. It, it might really have been an understanding of what, of how much time he had to work with. And he, he chose his, his spots, right. Uh, running upfield. So yeah, I, 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 He's he's not an incredibly mobile, you know, an, an amazing runner. Like, oh, but he's mm-hmm. still overall, you know, six point eight yards per carry with few sacks. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good combo for sure. In, in terms of how can I put this? In terms of the twenty twenty one picket, mm-hmm. like if, if you could know he was going to be that guy again in twenty twenty two. Let's say he went, went back to school, he somehow found an extra year of eligibility, <laughs> and he was the same exact guy in 2022 as he was in 2021 mm-hmm. how how much better would you feel about him as a prospect if you pulled it off again uh the, you know for a second time that's a good question um are we so we're talking about the same kind of 165 rating and solid scrambling or are we thinking he he does yeah. even better he gets to, into the kind of the the elite spread quarterback 190 to 200 range if we're talking no I don't, he's exactly the same guy okay um well, no, I'd still feel better about him because because he did it twice and because uh, defensive coordinators would have had another year to to kind of read what he's done. That That is a big factor. I mean, both college and pro is, you know, defensive coordinators study film a, a lot when, when you give them a reason to and they do start to pick up on things. And that's what kind of causes the sophomore slump in college sometimes and all that other stuff. So, yeah, if he came back and, and defense is adjusted for him and he did it again anyway, I would certainly feel better about that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the hands. We have to. <laughs> I, I like people will turn off the podcast if I don't bring it up at least for a little bit. Does it does it concern you at all? I, I know that there's a small difference between the college football and and the NFL football. Um, we've seen players with smaller hands like Jared Goff and Joe Burrow, who were nine inches, I believe, uh, succeed at the NFL level. Can he pick it smaller than that? <laughs> does it? I mean, and, and if, if if your answer is just, I don't care, let's move on, that's a totally fine answer too. <laughs> I'm going to leave it up to you to discuss Kenny Pickett's hands. He had what, like 530-something. He had 576 dropbacks. He had a bunch of carries, um, he, like o- almost 50 times per game. He had the ball in his hand for a, a momentous amount of time. He fumbled four mm-hmm. times. Um that's that's nothing it, for for a quarterback who holds the ball a lot and risks getting hit. The fact that he fumbled four times that kind of that I, I can't you know you'd have to speak to somebody else to talk about like what big hands do for your your consistency and your spiral and all this other stuff. I had no problem with any of that with Pickett. I, I his footwork kind of abandoned him sometimes like just randomly, but mm-hmm. I I just. I just don't see any reason. I cannot force myself to get concerned about his hand size, especially if, since one of the, the examples you just brought up was Burrow, and he seems pretty mm-hmm. decent. He's done pretty well so far as a pro, to my <laughs> knowledge. Just not had concerns about fumbling all that much. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't want to say there's no chance because you never know until right. a guy's actually playing. Um, but we have... We've watched him play football. We've yeah, seen a what lot he of do. football. 
it's it's not like you know it's not like we have no data to work off of like he was a soccer player and now he's converting to football and we can figure out whether he's going to be able to use his hands like we have lots of data that this has not been a problem for him so um i agree i mean i think there might be some issues i think certainly you want to see more evidence in terms of him playing at a high level um you know I, i'm a little concerned about him holding on to the football that's something that i think does not typically bode well unless you are someone who like a Russell Wilson where you're just a a total freak when it comes to creating after plays um but I I mean overall like I I think if he's the guy he was last year that's pretty good I mean I don't know if he's he's a a top six pick I don't know if he's worth taking uh, at six for Carolina but I think there's at least you know you can at least see the quarterback he might be at the NFL level. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we did see it. And and I've seen a lot of people talking about it in terms of like ceiling versus floor. I like a Malik Willis, his ceiling's off the charts, but Pickett's floor is a lot higher. I can go with that. Um, you know, that's something I can kind of buy into that maybe if you have a decent team and you need a little bit better quarterback play to, to kind of make a playoff push, he can probably get you that little bit better quarterback play. He's just not you know, he's not going to be Joe Burrow. And, and mm-hmm. so that's, or, or, you know, any others like really, really good recent success story. So that's, if we want to look at it in those terms, I think I can go with that. By the way, I just pulled up last year's fumble numbers. Uh, Hinden Hooker at Tennessee had 12 fumbles, whole bunch of guys had 10 and nine and eight and seven mm-hmm. with a lot fewer pass attempts than, than Pickett. So four, four is nothing. And, yeah. and that has to be one of the concerns with, with hand size as well. That, that was no problem. And if I think as far as I can tell, he throws a pretty good spiral too. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was playing in a dome either. Right. So can't even use that as an excuse. Um, you brought up Malik Willis. Let's get to Willis here because I, I mean, it feels like, you know, in, in terms of the physical capabilities, Malik Willis seems awesome. I yes. mean, you can, you can very easily imagine a world where he is. He turns into Josh Allen, I guess, or, or someone like that. But um, when you think about the work he has to do to get there, um, how far away is he, do you think, from being a guy who can play at an NFL level? I Yeah, I, I as far as potential goes, it's very, very clear who has the most potential here. And it's it's Willis. I mean, that was... It's hilarious because if you go back to 2018 Auburn, um, you know, they went, they go eight and five. Their their quarterback, their leading quarterback is Jarrett Stidham, um, mm-hmm. you know, with a with a, a 138 passer rating. The, the, the quarterback position wasn't amazing. Um, Malik Willis was the third stringer on that team, second, maybe, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and nobody really thought about it. Like when he transferred out. Uh, to go to Liberty. Everybody's like, ah, I mean, I guess that kind of Liberty, Liberty suits him. He he probably isn't an SEC quarterback, but Liberty, maybe mm-hmm. that's a good landing spot for him at a, at a mid-major level. And now he's probably going to be the first quarterback that goes in the NFL draft. Um, it has certainly been a transformation. And just the fact that he landed in this system at Liberty, Hugh Freeze's system will allow you to make all the throws that you can prove yourself with. It's, it's, you, you know, you can run around a lot. It's a lovely system for an athletic quarterback and he made a very smart decision to go there. And we got an idea that like this guy could be, could be good, could be um, mm-hmm. still, 
uh, like it, it, it's still the thought of him going in the top 10 and therefore going to a bad team does mm-hmm. concern me a little bit. Um, and as does any comparison to anyone as the next Josh Allen, because Josh Allen is a, <laughs> Josh Allen is a freaking unicorn uh, who took two full years of being pretty much as bad as all the naysayers said he was going to be before suddenly becoming great with a lot of hard work and a whole lot of amazing roster moves and everything else. Like it took so much for Josh Allen to become Josh Allen. I don't want mm-hmm. anybody. I, I don't like any prospect who you look at and think, well, maybe after two years of being terrible and a bunch of good roster moves, you can be awesome. Like that, that's, that worries me a little bit, but Mm -hmm. the potential, the physical traits are incredible. And it was so much fun watching him at Liberty. And I hope he lands with a team that can put the right pieces around him and build a system around him that he needs. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Just to start, because you brought up Jared Sidham here. I, I know that Jared Sidham was further along in his college career, but I, I remember, was it Mitch Trubisky, I think? Who was he? Who did he lose out to at North Carolina? Jared Stidham. <laughs> I got to pull up his, like, I, I, I want to get this uh, right. I, I have, I'm looking it up. It was Marquise Williams. Yes, Marquise Williams. Was, so Mitch who, Trubisky. He, he was okay. good. He was uh, like Mitch. Uh, tr- tr- let's see, Trubisky. Yeah, okay. Now I now I'm now I've pieced it together. Yes, Trubisky was uh, Stidham was a different guy. Trubisky was at North Carolina behind a pretty good quarterback, good, pretty good college quarterback. Stidham was a star uh, a star recruit who went to Baylor in 2015, uh, and then yes. Baylor stuff happened, and he ended up at Auburn and started for two years at Auburn. Yes. So so Mitch Trubisky sits behind uh Williams there for two years and then has one year where he is very good yes that's the third overall pick it doesn't work out well for him and I think one of the arguments that came up at the time was well if he was really this good if he was really as much of a star as mm-hmm. it implies being taken with the second overall pick like shouldn't he have beat out this guy who's not an NFL caliber quarterback <laughs> and and when it comes to Malik Willis, like, right. yes, Jared Sidham was further along in his career, but like Jared Sidham is a a kind of marginal backup guy with the Patriots. Like, does that concern you at all that he was not <laughs> able to win that battle? Yeah. And I mean, yes, um, it took him a little, you know, it took him a system change and a level change and all this other stuff to to find his place. And that's, you know, he, he wasn't just a ready-made star because if he had been uh, at Auburn in 2018, 
Like that team needed what Malik Willis would become two or three years later. That was, they were desperate for that kind of quarterback at that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe Gus Malls on played favorites. I have no idea, but it didn't really, nobody was, I don't think just dramatically clamoring for Malik Willis to get a shot. Uh, we didn't, mm-hmm. re- nobody really knew what he was capable of until he showed up at Liberty and started playing last year. And even then, I mean, I, I think, the passing numbers kind of sneaked up on everybody. He ended up with 2,260 yards over, let's see, three, six, nine, ten 10 games, um, mm-hmm. which was more than I think people expected. But the, the rushing was still really uh, kind of his calling card. He had 137 yards and a big bowl win against Coastal Carolina. He, I think mm-hmm. people were still kind of viewing him as, as, a, as an athletic dual threat more than an actual quarterback. But then, you know, um, some of the draft, pundits start watching him in the off season and, and you know, the McShays of the world. And, and you start to realize like, wow, people are like, maybe, <laughs> maybe this really is an actual all around quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in 2021, we started to, people started to look at him in that way more and he, and he mostly lived up to it. He kind of had a funk in the middle of the season and um, mm-hmm. you know, didn't do well against Ole Miss. Uh, he had a really bad game against Ole Miss had a very mediocre game the next week against Louisiana Lafayette. Um, but you know, torch Syracuse looked great in the bowl game kind of for the most part lived up to this kind of sudden hype that came about. And that's always a good sign in and of itself. He still ran a lot. He wasn't like trying to suddenly make himself look like an NFL quarterback. He was still playing like Malik Willis, but he played really well. And his draft stock only rose after that. And so that's probably all, that's probably all a good sign. I, I do think of these four quarterbacks, he has by far the most, potential and, and it's and it's clear to me why he's a first round prospect here if it goes like second or something it's still going to make me crazy nervous but <laughs> i do think he at least but i at least understand like the the physical traits are what they are and and i and i understand that that still matters especially after the josh allen experiment of a few years ago i can't simply scoff at that his stats are also a lot better than josh allen's by the way they are but they're not like so good that right. you would say, oh man, this guy is dominating right. lower level competition. He's not like, I don't know, I don't know where Carson Wentz's stats were at North Dakota State, but I imagine they were better than Malik Willis's stats were here at Liberty, and Liberty's a higher level, certainly. But I mean, just in, in terms of, I was looking at on throws traveling 10 or more yards in the air, mm-hmm. so kind of getting stuff a little bit downfield. He's 73rd in the nation in catchable pass rate, which is, yeah. you know, like not, not horrible by any means. Um, he was exactly nation average in terms of percentage of completions gaining 10 or more yards. Yeah. Um, the other three guys we're going to talk about all above average or better. Uh, under pressure, his numbers last year were horrific. Out of 125 passers, Bill, he was 121st <laughs> in QBR with a mark of 2.5. And he gets pressured at an extremely high rate, partly right. because he's a runner. Um Right. That so, was that was one thing I was going to bring up as a concern, by the way, yeah. is that he trusts his athleticism a lot, which um, is fine. Like, like that's if I was like of an athlete, I would as well. But but, but like, whereas Kenny Pickett held the ball until a long time, got sacked five percent of the time. Uh, Malik Willis got sacked 11 percent of the time on dropbacks. Uh, in terms of one of the things I've been looking at a lot this offseason is sacks per pressure, more or less. Um, like how like how how good are you at escaping pressure? Uh, let's see, Kenny Pickett on like the sacks per pressure. He was about 21%, which which isn't great, but it's not terrible. Uh, Malik Willis got sacked on 41% of pressures, which is terrible. Um, like basically if he was in control of the situation, everything went great. 
But yes, under pressure, it was certainly terrible. Now, I mean, we know that those that the numbers in a clean pocket, those kinds of numbers are a little more sustainable and the pressure numbers are all over the place. But he definitely will have to take some time to learn what he can and can't get away with from with yes. from an athleticism standpoint, from an escapability standpoint, because he didn't get away with nearly as much as he thought he was going to last year. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure he's going to get away with even less at the very least you know, at the beginning of his career as a pro quarterback. That's just the game is so much faster. Right. And especially, you know, this is playing at a, a, a super high level now. Um, in, in terms of the fit at Liberty, I mean, did it feel like the players around him were holding him back? Did it feel like they were getting the most out of Malik Willis? Like, is he a guy where you feel like maybe playing with better players, he might look better at the NFL level? He had a, pr- well, <laughs> what's the best way to frame this? Um, his, uh, Let's see. Last year, especially um, in 2020, he had. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I was looking at the receiving core. I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about here. It's it, it, it was basically fine. It was it was low three star guys, the kind of that you would normally get draw to Liberty. Um, it wasn't a bunch of like P5 prospects coming in. So maybe that held them back a little bit. They, they caught the passes he threw to them. I mean, last year, uh, Demario Douglas, their number one receiver, little slot guy, 5'8", 165, never really dropped a pass, caught everything that was was close to him. It was a nice safety valve. Um, another guy, CJ Daniels, didn't drop a pass all year, apparently. Like, he, they weren't, it wasn't one of those cases where he's out there throwing to high school kids and the ball just, go, you know, he's breaking everybody's hands. They can't catch the ball. It wasn't anything like that. He was throwing mostly catchable balls and they were catching them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure if you put him, you know, give him a few more matchup advantages against the better teams, the old misses of the world, then, you know, that would have helped him out a lot, but he certainly, I, I don't think they held him back dramatically at the very least. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of his impact as a runner, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over 900 yards um, a- a- after sack yards was taken out uh, in 2020 and then right around that mark in 2021. Um, but he's not as big as some of the other guys who have come out of college and been running quarterbacks. Alan, mm-hmm. who I-, I keep bringing up unfairly, is like 6'4". Malik Willis is 6'1", 215. Um, w- what sort of runner is he? And, and do you think he can be a guy who does create a significant impact with his legs at the pro level. Well, one thing that's going to change for him, like 16%, um, he had a 16% designed run rate. Another thing I was trying to look at, like how frequently were you just scrambling versus how much was designed for you? Obviously he's not going to be running a design run, like one out of every six plays in, in the pros. Right. That, that would be, that would be a little, that would be a little shocking. And so that was certainly part of it. But like I said, I mean, in, in the scrambles, well, in the scrambles where he didn't get sacked, um, <laughs> he ended up like exploding downfield. He is very elusive in the open field. Um, if he leaves the pocket in time, I guess. And, um, he, he doesn't, he's not, yeah, he's not Cam Newton. He's not bowling over you. He's not going to be able to just be kind of a one man red zone offense in between the tackles, but he is very, very elusive. Um, and, and he's able to, He's that kind of guy. He's he he's mm-hmm. he's not skinny. He's he's not you know you're not going to be, wor- be worried about him taking a hit or two. But he is more elusive than he is you know bulldozer type. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you are. Hmm, how do I want to frame this? <laughs> how how high do you think someone can draft Malik Willis on his potential 
without feeling like they're taking too big of a risk. <laughs> well, it's funny. Now six seems okay to me now that I've heard two. Um, <laughs> like now I've seen where the anchor is. I'm like, oh God, okay, fine. Just give me six. Um, no, I do think, well, one of the things we've learned over these last few years, especially is that like the player matters here, but the team he's going to matters as much. Uh, you know, if, if Josh Allen goes to anyone other than the bills, they might freak out after a year or two and panic and not make all the right moves that the bills made and all that other stuff. Um, so I, I, like that top five then just would make me nervous in general because the top five doesn't usually have very good, you know, well-run teams in it. If he slips into that kind of six to 12 range, I'll take it. I would prefer like, you know, it, the, the teens, I think is where, you know, he could really start to be, to start to prove a, a genuinely worthy investment. Top 10 is going to be a risk, but at least it's a risk that I understand based on the physical traits he's shown. Mm -hmm. Okay. So moving on, let's talk about Matt Corral here. Um, I, I have a question to start. I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it, but I feel like it's where I want to begin. Do we know what happened with him and Wayne Gretzky's son? I mean, like, as far as who said what to whom, um, I can't say I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> aware of all the details there, but there was absolutely a tussle between Matt Corral and Wayne Gretzky's son, whatever that was, five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that's certainly, uh, that that's, you know, you just want a guy with personality, right? And <laughs> any, anybody who's willing to tussle with the great, with the, with great one junior, I think that yes. tells you something about Matt Corral's personality in general. And I approve. I mean, it seemed like it really stuck around for a while. Like there were reports that it was, um, you know, that it was one of the reasons maybe he transferred originally. Mm. I mean, he 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 seems to have bounced around during the early parts of his college career. Yeah. No, he. I mean, he absolutely. He was a USC commit to start with, and then yeah, he bounces around. I, I will like he landed with Lane Kiffin, and that was just a perfect combination of personalities. Um, you know, he like he he was there. He didn't he didn't go to Ole Miss to play with Lane Kiffin, uh, but that right. ended up working out really well for him these last two years because he was able to just play with attitude and and I don't I don't want to tie anything else to the Gretzky thing, but the guy has a little bit of attitude and a lot of swagger to him, and it's really fun to watch. Um, mm -hmm. That that is not to say anything about his potential as a pro prospect, just that he's very fun to watch. And, and it was very, he was a very good college quarterback. Mm -hmm. Now we talked about Pickett and how we have a really small sample of data, only really one year of him mm -hmm. at a high level. Now Corral granted it's been two years as opposed to one, but the fact that we only really see, we saw him take a leap um, once Kiffin got there and it's really only been two years where he wasn't even throwing all that often. Um, it wasn't like they were throwing the ball a ton relative mm -hmm. to other offenses. Um, and last year there were injuries, not only with yeah. Ole Miss, but also to Corral himself. I mean, do you feel like we have a much better handle on him as a prospect, good or bad, as opposed to someone like Pickett, where we have more data in just that one year where it's an outlier, where he was playing at a much higher level? Yeah, I mean, I just I personally saw Corral as a good quarterback longer than I saw Pickett as a good quarterback. But mm -hmm. I, it was also... I don't know the best way to frame Lane Kiffin's offense. There are a lot of one reads. There was a lot of the old kind of Baylorish, split the field in half kind of stuff, and and only look on this mm -hmm. side. You know, things that I think have come to be viewed as negatives for you know 
gauging your pro prospects, right? Like this is a mm-hmm. too simple an offense and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's changed. And Kiffin certainly knows all the pro style concepts at this point. He's been, he's been at both levels. He's coached at Alabama and USC and all the quote unquote pro style offenses back in the day. But you do mm-hmm. at least kind of worry about that. They were a very heavy tempo offense. Um, when they found an advantage, they, they just destroyed you with it. Uh, they could go three and out very fast. It was a lot of simple reads, all the things that you, you kind of equate with that kind of offense. He had it. And, and maybe that's, you know, I've saw, I've seen some of the, of draft Twitter, watch his film and go, no, this was too simple. This doesn't work for me at all. Maybe there's something to that, the, the, but the numbers were good. He showed the ability to, um, I mean, he is a mobile guy. He, he was able to avoid pressure a lot better than Willis did. Um, mm-hmm. He does still have some mobility, you know, like six yards per scramble, not nine or 10, but solid. And um, he was pretty well-rounded. He was everything you could ask for in a college quarterback. It's just, there is a translation there. And I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold on him, you know, successfully making that translation. Mm-hmm. In terms of his year-to-year improvement under Kiffin, so 2020 interception rate north of 4%. Last year, only five picks on 386 pass attempts. Is that just variance from year to year? Or do you think he actually did make a significant stride in terms of protecting the football? Yeah, they were a little, um, they were a little less explosive last year. Now, like you mentioned, injuries did play a role here. He was hurt quite a bit. And so it's hard. You, you never really know. He might've been looking to avoid contact, get the ball out a little bit sooner, play things a little bit safer. Um, the, 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 the 14 picks from the year before he's confident too. He's throwing, he's, he's throwing some haymakers here and there, but he really did, um, dial that back. And and now that I'm looking at the game to game thing, a lot of those interceptions did come late when he was in kind of that injury range early on. He was just awesome. Um, you know, explosive and um, avoiding crippling mistakes for the most part. So that might've been kind of the next step in the maturation in, in 2020, he learned to go really fast in that system. Uh, he learned to, you know, when to try to throw haymakers and and then he learned when not to throw haymakers and he, and he applied that in 2021. It was a solid development. It just, you do hate it when the last sample we get is of, of a guy who's limping around and isn't very, it isn't nearly as healthy as he was because it kind of clouds the stats that we obsess over uh, in the coming draft season. Yes. In, in terms of his size and in terms of the injuries we saw last year, I mean, he's not the biggest guy, no. 6'1", 205. Um, do you think there are concerns to be had that he is too small or that he doesn't do the sort of job of protecting his body right. that you need to do at that size to sort of stay afloat at the you know, at the highest level, he certainly took some hits. I mean, it, it is funny because, you know, he's like listed at whatever it is, 10 pounds less than Malik Willis. He he looks a lot skinnier than Malik Willis does. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he did. He took a lot of hits. He he was fearless and that's awesome. But he also kind of, you know, got himself into trouble sometime, including in the bowl game, actually, um, mm-hmm. against Baylor this last year. So, um, yeah, he he's I I, I don't want to say. I don't want to predict injuries by any means, but he is a guy that you do want him to run out of bounds. If he's, uh, you know, he, he's not necessarily going to, to juke a guy out. You want him to run out of bounds after he's gained seven yards on a scramble and, you know, mm-hmm. live to see the next play. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes. Um, in terms of Ole Miss a, as a program, I mean, you know, this is a program that is in the, the at least in my opinion, I don't think this is outlandish. I know it's ESPN, <laughs> ESPN bias to say, but the the preeminent conference in college football, the most mm-hmm. difficult conference to succeed in in college football. Um, do you feel like he was playing at a talent or, or scheme disadvantage throughout his tenure at Ole Miss? No, especially in 2020, he had Elijah Moore. He had Kenny Yaboa, a really good tight end. Um, he had a really, really solid receiving core. They had some um, turnover this year, and you couldn't tell. Um, you know, a guy named Dontario Drummond pops right up into the number one spot. Braylon Sanders is, is still making big plays. Um, but they they had some new guys, and, and, and he started the year on fire all the same. I think, um, you know, Ole Miss is a school that's going to recruit top – we'll say 20 to 30 classes with Kiffin, maybe a little bit better than that. And that means you're running around looking at a bunch of like high three, low four star guys uh, who, mm-hmm. you know, are going to struggle to get open against Alabama and Georgia, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, just about everybody does. Uh, and against everybody else, he was able to make things happen anyway. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't, uh, it wasn't, he wasn't exactly Mac Jones or he didn't have a Mac Jones level supporting cast by any means, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It didn't really hold him back. I don't think. Is it, easier to sort of imagine him stepping into a pro offense or do you think he has the same sort of or or a similar sort of learning curve to the other guys in this class well if we generalize about what the kind of the one read and go kind of systems like usually that means yeah you need to ease in a little bit and you need to have a system that maybe has some more simplified concepts right out of the gates. We don't really know about him making a great four read progression not that any quarterbacks at the college level really you know, learn that necessarily, but mm-hmm. no, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if he took a little time to, to, to get to know his surroundings and, and we needed a little time to figure out if he was really going to be a pro quarterback or not that, you know, the fact that you, I'm talking about that as a guy who might go in the first round, that, that rings alarm bells. <laughs> but I guess if he goes at the bottom of the first round, he can sit on the bench behind a probably a pretty good quarterback. And that's not the worst situation to be. That is nice to imagine. I I I love I love this world we live in, where before the draft it's oh well these guys are all going to sit. That's going to be fine. They're not going to play. And then by like week four they're all yeah, in the lineup somehow. Yeah, I can think of all the different quarterbacks. I I basically said that exact thing about like oh I think he needs to sit for a little while. Like almost take a red shirt year. That'll be great for him. Like mm-hmm. the only guy that's ever worked out for is Aaron Rodgers, right? Like who actually sat for a year and then. Thrive. Most of them get thrown in before they're ready, and we find out real quick that that's a problem. So the only two I can think of are Aaron. I guess Mahomes, but he. Oh yeah, he that's right. Yeah, the into the year. Yeah, he I did play the three into the year, but... Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Carson Palmer. And oh, I, yeah, I mean that is it's one of those things where it's just like it's there's some selection bias at hand. It's like they played for good teams, or they Bengals weren't good, but um, they were playing for better teams. They had more infrastructure. Right. Um, I don't think it's as simple as just sitting a guy for a year makes him a lot better, but I, I mean, I hope that these guys get some time. I hope that, you know, that it's teams actually picking in the late twenties who are good as opposed (laughs) to teams who are bad picking in the top of the second round trading in to draft those guys at the bottom 
of the first rounds. Let's finish up here with Desmond Ritter, um, who I feel like there is not the obvious sort of case for him, I guess, in some ways. Like, like if you were going to say, you know, if you were trying to sell Desmond Ritter mm-hmm. as a scout or, or as an analytics guy to a GM, what would be your primary selling point for him coming out of Cincinnati? I think the best sell, the best sale I can make for him is that he's kind of got a, he doesn't have it really any of the weaknesses. I don't think of any of the other guys. And he's kind of a mashup of all their better skills. Like there's somebody better than him in every category, but he's right. not the worst in any of the categories. If that makes sense. Uh, maybe that means he's got a high floor too. Maybe that's what I'm saying here, but um, you know, he he's mobile, but he didn't run as much as the other guys. And he only, it was like seven and a half yards per scramble as opposed to nine or 10. He's accurate, but he's not as accurate as Pickett was last year. Um, he, he really is just kind of an in-between of those of, of especially Corral and Pickett, I feel. And, Mm-hmm. Maybe, especially since he's not going to go in the top five or anything, maybe that's very attractive because he would probably come in to a good team. Um, well, I'm, let's not go down the same road as I just said with Corral, but um, <laughs> if he were to land on a team like that with with web, with uh, matchup advantages around him, you know, he might not have the ceiling that, that Willis has, but I, I I think he's very polished. He, he played a lot in the college level and was... Mm-hmm good for more than one year and, you know, in the AAC, I guess, but he still, um, he took a humongous leap between 2019 and 20. He was banged up in 2019, which was kind of the first year that Cincinnati was suddenly awesome. Uh, he, his stats just plummeted late in the year when he was trying to play through injury. Um, but then he is healthy throughout 2020 and is mostly dominant. He's healthy throughout most of 2021 and he gets a little better at least until, uh, you know, he gets sacked by Will Anderson every single time he t- drops back to pass in the in the playoff game. But um, no, I, I would he's well rounded. That's probably the best case to make. And um, I was really I'm 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 not as nervous about him at Corral, even though I think Corral might have a little more upside. I do feel like he's a little more of a stable entity, if nothing else. You mentioned the playoff game um, in terms of the competition. He's playing mm-hmm. in the American. Um, so not the same level of competition. Cincinnati, very good, of course, over the past couple of years. How did he look when he was playing Georgia and Alabama in the postseason? Well, I'll, I'll compare it to this. He played Notre Dame early in the season and torched them. Um, you know, not necessarily a super high efficiency. It was 19 for 32, just but just made a ton of, of really big throws. They seized that game early on because he was awesome. Um, and it kind of flowed from there. He goes to Alabama. I mean... That was the one area I, I I rooted so hard for Cincinnati to make the playoff. I wanted to, to I, I've always said like the best G5 teams are deserving of a look. I was happy they made it. The fact that Alabama ran the ball really well didn't even matter because, you know, they weren't scoring touchdowns necessarily. So Cincinnati was able to stay in the game a little bit, but they needed just a little bit of offense and they just could not stop the pass rush at all. And so I didn't, it, it, you know, he can hold the ball sometimes. He has that kind of weight to scramble sometimes, that sacks per pressure number, uh, where Willis was in the 40s and, and Pickett was in the low 20s. He was at 29% for the year. So he, he was, he does hold on to the ball a little too much. But that Alabama game was just, they, they just, they were overwhelmed on the offensive line. And that made the entire difference in the game in, in such a way that I couldn't even really judge him good or bad. He looked good on the first series when they were driving down the field and then he just didn't have time to do anything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, that makes sense. And certainly you don't want to blame him for that. Uh, how would I put this? Like, let's say he was the same caliber of quarterback, but maybe like a Willis or maybe like a, a Pickett, maybe he had higher highs and lower lows. Do you think mm-hmm. he would be a, a better perceived prospect? Like, is he is he being slept on a bit? Do you think because he doesn't have that sort of blow away trade or that sort of obvious, like, you know, um, just superstar caliber right. element to some level of his his background? Right. I mean, when you see a guy with great physical traits throwing a lot of picks, then you can kind of, I remember, was that Jameis Winston, I guess, in college, where it's like, well, he's just, he's, he's trying to make big throws, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to throw into those tight windows. We'll, we'll like spin that into a good thing because he's willing to do it. And I get that because there is a certain amount of just raw playmaking ability that you need to have, especially from like a number one pick. That's not Ritter. Um, I, I do. If you're looking for just the raw, unbelievable standout, he, he look he looks like a pro quarterback. He's six four two twenty or whatever. But um, yeah, he's just not. He's he's not going to stand out the way the most ridiculous physical specimens at the at the pro level stand out. And I think that's reflected in his stats. He doesn't have as many amazing throws, and he doesn't have nearly as many bad ones either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I that seems, you know, sort of a. How would I put it? Like, like sort of maybe a way to talk yourself into him. Mm-hmm. But is it is it fair to say that you need those superstar traits to succeed? Like, like, like is there an element of like, 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 does he look better in a way because he doesn't have those weaknesses, whereas all the other quarterbacks in this class do? Yeah, I mean, really, this class does boil down to two high floors and two high ceilings, right? Um, you know, Pickett and Ritter versus Willis and Corral, more or less. And there, you know, there are the guys who can kind of succeed faster, but not succeed at a quite as high a level. And so four or five years from now, you're like, man, I, I don't know. I think, I think we've seen his best days and I don't think he's going to get any better than this. I, and then there, there are the guys who can continue to, to grow and grow and grow over a number of years. And that's probably what you're hoping for from a Willis, especially. And so like, what, what are we looking for though? If you're talking about a guy drafted 15, 20, 25, maybe even 30 or 35 or 40, like, what do we expect from him? Do we expect him to become an all-star, like an amazing top five or 10 quarterback, or are we kind of satisfied if he becomes a, you know, a mid-level top 15 or 20 quarterback? I think he can definitely do the latter. I'm just not sure about the former. And that's still, that can still be a solid pick for a number of years. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wonder for a team like the Steelers where they have a great defense, they're picking at, I think it's 20. Right. Um, you know, they don't necessarily need a superstar. It's great if they land one. Right. But I, I almost wonder if they'd be better with going for someone like Ritter as opposed to someone like Willis, because I mean that that sort of steadiness, that experience might be more valuable to that particular team in this particular moment. Yeah. I mean, I think over time you need to, to keep improving and playing at a higher and higher level through the years. There is a certain level, there's a certain bar you have to clear from a just raw talent standpoint and maybe that becomes an issue but if he gets in a place where like pittsburgh is a good example like he he'll have some playmakers around him i guess yeah i guess so i guess you would qualify that uh oh, man i don't know yeah. like the last couple of years have kind of confused me when it Warped. comes to pittsburgh but <laughs> but um but no, I mean, if he doesn't have to go out and score 35 points to win a game and he can just he can make some plays and have a few polished drives and win a game like that. I, I, I mean, 
yeah, he's never going to be a top five quarterback, I don't think, but he can still win you a lot of games that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly won plenty of games at Cincinnati. Okay, yep. I'm going to ask you the tough question, and we're going to finish up here. <laughs> okay. Do you know this is coming? Five years from now, when we, not knowing anything about where these guys get drafted, where they end up, mm-hmm. five years from now, if you had to sort through these guys one through four at the NFL level, what do you think the most likely order is of those four quarterbacks? As in how they're playing in their fifth year, not in the first five years combined. Yes. (laughs) As in in if you had a chance to draft them five years from now. To play five. Okay. Um, Willis Ritter, Pickett Corral. Wow. You were, I felt like you were so high on Corral relative to. I love, I, 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 I'm nervous about him. I do think he has a chance. There's a chance he gets hurt a lot. There's a chance he just doesn't end up getting the, uh, a sustained shot on a first string offense. And that concerns me a little bit. And you have Willis number one. I, yeah, again, I understand that this, he, he's the most likely just absolute bomb here, but I think he's the only guy with with the superstar traits. If you can if you can put together all the other stuff. Okay, so Josh Allen, not a fair comp, uh, not allowed. <laughs> Who do you think is the closest quarterback to Malik Willis if Malik Willis works out at the NFL level? Cannon of an arm, um, good mobility, good speed on the outside, takes too many sacks. Like it's, I mean, that's, that's starting to sound at least like a, like a certain quarterback who was mm-hmm. just traded mm-hmm. um, from Seattle. Um, I know, oh man, I hate, I hate that because you always end up that, spinning that around to like, he's the next, you know, and it's nothing like that, but you can certainly see those pieces. Uh, you can certainly uh, see him being a Russell style quarterback. Um, it was just Russell was so good at those things. <laughs> and we'll see if Willis can actually be that good at the mobility, at the evasiveness, that good at finding guys deep downfield and whatnot. But that feels like when you start describing him, that's who you're describing. Oh, so I thought when you talked about Seahawks quarterbacks, I thought you meant Geno Smith, but I guess not. I guess Drew Locke, meant- actually, Drew Locke. Yeah. Drew Locke. <laughs> well, if we get a roller skating video with Malik Willis. I think that will answer all our questions and he'll go in the top 10. I, I just, I, I wish that the, the, the pro fans who somewhat justifiably, you know, knocked your lock. Now, I just wish you could have seen the gorgeous deep balls he threw at Missouri for a couple of years there. Just, I will always be fond of Drew lock because it was just such a pretty little arc. And there was a guy, you know, it just, it was just a beautiful ball that it really hasn't translated all that. Well, I don't, Pete still believes. Okay. You'll find out. I think he's going to get his chance. Yeah. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed is fair. Um, Bill, where can people check out the work you do? I mean, Twitter is the fastest place, right? ESPN underscore Bill C. There's a link to everything I've done in in the bio. And uh, Lord knows I tweet it all out too. So that's the best. Check that out. Bill, you know, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and previewing these quarterbacks for us. Thank you. All right, thanks so much to my guest, my friend, Bill Connolly. Does wonderful work for us at ESPN, college football, soccer, anything else that Bill thinks about, Bill is writing about and doing a fun job of doing so. We have more audio coming next week. We will be hitting the last draft stuff, I think, before the draft kicks off on Thursday. 
So hope you guys are ready for the draft. I hope that your teams have first-round picks. I know a bunch of teams don't. Some teams have a lot. Um, so if you're a, uh, a Saints fan or an Eagles fan, I think you're pretty excited about this draft. So hope you guys are ready, and we'll have more audio coming next week. Thanks so much for listening.